Now, um, this, this area of Elk Grove, it is a great area, but I really enjoy where I live on the coast in Costa Mesa, California. Now, I know Northern Californians are a little bit geographically challenged, okay? So Costa Mesa is like south of LA, north of San Diego, somewhere in there. Just take my word for it, okay? In fact, all my life, I've actually lived on the water, okay, to, next to a body of water. I grew up on Lake Erie in the northwest part of Ohio. Um, Lake Erie, for those of you who may not know, it's one of the, the five great lakes, okay? In fact, Chris and Heather were kind enough to let us stay at their house last night, so we're having some conversation. And I just happened to say to Chris, hey, you know, well, you know the five great lakes, right? And Chris said, yeah, I know, Folsom Lake, Lake Tahoe, Lake Berryessa. I go, no, man. So we had a little educational time last night, okay, with your pastor. But I grew up in one of the five great lakes, Lake Erie, um, so right next to the body of water. Then I went to college in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, on a Division I wrestling scholarship to Marquette University, which is right on the water, another one of the five great lakes, Lake Michigan, okay, and then... In my move to literally my first job out of college out here to the West Coast. And I've been here ever since. And now I'm within an easy bike ride to the Pacific Ocean. And over the course of those years, one of the hobbies that I took up when I came out to Southern California was sailboating. I like being out in the water, particularly sailboat racing. And I remember once participating a few years ago in, in a very windy race off the coast of Santa Barbara, where the race goes off the coast of Santa Barbara, out around the Channel Islands, then back into Santa Monica Bay. And over the radio that afternoon, we heard a distress signal. It's sort of like a 911 out on the water. There was a boat that was in trouble. It got too close to some rocks. Other boats went to help rescue that boat. However, they didn't get there in time. And some of the people on the racing sailboat that day, even though others tried to rescue them, even though others tried to save them, they were lost. They died. They perished at sea in the Pacific Ocean. And, and after that, I did, I did some research. I, I'm a history guy. I like to do research. And so I did some research on, on, on boating. Did you know that a long time ago, in the New England area of the United States of America, there were some societies, societies out there called rescue societies that popped up, and they were quite popular. What happened was th these adventuresome men and women would join these things called rescue societies. And all they did, they would go out into the vast Atlantic Ocean, and they would rescue boats that were at peril who were in trouble. That was their... That's what they did, and they did it on their own accord, on their own free will. And after the rescue, they would come back. They would share some meals together. They, they, they would have some, some drinks with one another. They would enjoy the camaraderie and the fellowship and the bonding. And then they would hear about somebody else that needed rescue. They would, they would go back out. They, they, they'd rescue somebody. They, they'd come back. They found themselves sharing with one another, eating with one another, enjoying a time of fellowship with one another, 
And then they, 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 they would go back out. Well, inevitably what took place, some of the people in these rescue societies, they actually got tired of rescuing. They, 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 they love the meals. Man, do they love the meals. They love the camaraderie. They love the bonding. They love the fellowship. But they sort of got a little bit tired of rescuing people. So they began, are you ready for this? Because they loved all that camaraderie and bonding, they began what we now know today as yacht clubs. Seriously, certain yacht clubs in New England, they emerged from rescue societies. That's right. They began from groups of people who were into rescuing people. And after a while, they said, you know what? Let's just chill. Let's enjoy the comfort of, of the cushy seats and the warm meals and the frivolity that comes from the drinks. I mean, we really enjoy the fellowship and the bonding and the camaraderie. And as you look at the history of these rescue societies, then what happened in some of them was people would leave what had become the comfort of the yacht club. And even though that's not how it all began, a whole new group of people emerged. And, and this new group of people would now be burdened and they would leave the comfort of the yacht club and they would go and rescue people, save people, all the while while their friends we're in the nice confines of the warm, beautiful, decked out, incredible meals, incredible friendships of their club. But these ones would go. They went back to rescue and save people from perishing. Now, allow me to say this. I didn't grow up in what you would call a, a church context. But what I now know, after having been the, the, the person who founded a church, very similar to what Chris Delves has done here at LifePoint, in the Crossing Church in Costa Mesa, California, and I'll say the same thing to LifePoint Church here in Elk Grove, California. Allow me to say this. This church is not a yacht club. The church is not a place where people sit in our lounge chairs and enjoy the creature comforts and the fellowship and the bonding and the meals and the food. No, friends, the church is a rescue society. It's a created a rescue culture. That's the whole essence of the reason that Jesus Christ came. So if you have a Bible right now, pull it out. You know, some of them that were handed out, and uh, like Chris mentioned, and I would just encourage you, if you don't have a Bible, in fact, I would encourage you just to use it if you have a paper one, you can go to your smartphone and, and download an app called YouVersion. And uh, it's neat because you can take the Bible with you everywhere you go. And the cool part about it is that organization, they don't send you needless emails. They don't try to sell you anything. And so if you're kind of new to this whole Bible church Jesus thing, you can have like the Bible right in your hands, and it doesn't cost you a thing. And I want you to turn to a particular book. Now, some of you are probably new to the Bible, so let me kind of set it up for you. There's these stories of this guy named Jesus, 
And um, the stories of this guy named Jesus, they're written in what we in church world call the Gospels. And the first one of those stories is, is in Matthew. And the second true story is, is uh, Mark. And the third one is where I want you to turn right now, Luke. Luke, okay? So turn to the book of Luke. If you don't know where it's at, look in your table of contents. If you have a digital device, it's, it's really easy to get there by just pushing on that Luke. And I want you to go to a particular chapter, chapter 19. Chapter 19, and I want you to go to zero in on a particular verse, verse 10. Luke 19, 10. Here's what it says. In fact, you can look on the screen there. You can look on the screen. Would you all do this for me now that you got yours open? Let's all read this out loud off the, off the screen. I don't know if you do that here, but let's do it together right now. Okay, here we go. The Son of Man, okay, that's Jesus, just so you know, if you don't know much about the Bible. Let's keep going, okay. Came to seek, save those who are, those who are lost. In other words, Jesus came on a search and rescue mission to go to those who are lost, to go to those who are drowning. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, if you come here today and you call yourself a Christian, a believer, God now asks that of you and me. In fact, Chris said it last week as, as, as we kicked this series off called Transform. Chris said very clearly, he used the passage of Scripture. If you weren't here, go back and listen to it. It's a phenomenal message. In Matthew 28, 19, Jesus said to those who would follow after him, Go! Go and, and show God's love and share God's love with everyone you encounter, where you work, where you live. Where you recreate. So, something to think about. Here's the deal. God trusts us and loves us so much that he's placed you and me around drowning people. God has placed you around people who need rescuing. And we, you, me, where to go? And, and Chris asked this question last week. Man, I don't want you to miss this question. It's so important. Chris said, do you believe that God could use you to transform this world? Do you believe that God could use you to change your world? And, and I'll tell you right now, I believe this. He believe, the answer is yes. And, and so, so last week Chris said, uh, this week I'm saying, but we're both saying it because Jesus first said it, go. Don't you dare stay in the confines and the comfort of this yacht club. Get out there because others can only be transformed through you. And, and I'll tell you right now, in today's world, more than any other time in U.S. history, particularly, that takes courage, <coughs> huge amounts of courage. And like anything where courage needs to be displayed, there is a choice to be made. It's my choice. It's, it's your choice, and, and your choice, and your choice, and your choice. You either do what it is that Jesus is talking about, or you don't. I'm telling you right now, there's no gray area. That's why God has placed you around some people at your place of employment some people in your neighborhood, some people where you recreate, some people in your friendship circles and, and your family systems who need rescuing for Jesus. So I got to ask you something. I had to ask myself. I didn't want to ask you this, but I have to. Do you have that marina mentality? Are, 
uh, are you just kind of sitting back where you work, where you live, just smiling, waving, eating, drinking with your small group while people where you live, work, play? Need rescuing? That's not why we're here. We're not here for some sort of marina mentality. And I'm telling you right now, so many churches miss this. So many people who call themselves Christians, Christ followers, believers, miss this. So, so here, here's what I want you to do right now. Would you, would you just do this for me? I want you to think of the person in your relational world. I don't want you to think about the person in front of you who needs this message this weekend, the person behind you, the person to the right of you, the left of you. I want you to think of the person in your relational world. So that means like where you work, um, where you live, apartment, condo, house, where you work out, some friends, some family members. I want you right now, right now, we're not going any further. I'm not budging until you get this. I want you to get the name and the face of, the, of a person in your world who needs rescuing. In other words, this person, this family member, this coworker, this neighbor, that they need Jesus. So do you have them in your mind? Okay? And I know what some of you are thinking, because I can read the bubbles over your head. You're thinking the first name and the first face that popped in my head. There's no way in hell God could change them. Oh, yeah? God said, go. So much so that he provided for us a true story to illustrate that no one is above being transformed. There's no one beyond being saved. And so one day Jesus encountered like someone who happened to be a very notorious crook, a very notorious thief. And his name is Zacchaeus. Now, as soon as I say that name, some of you are going, yeah, I know the story. And others of you here, as soon as I say the name Zacchaeus, you don't know anything about the Bible. You have no idea who this little guy is. Then some of you are going, I'm thinking some of you here, you, you learn his name because of a song you used to sing. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. Keep going. See, you know it, some of you. Some of you, okay? Zacchaeus, it's a true story. He, one of the first things we learn about Zacchaeus is he's a wee rich man. He's a little wealthy guy. Look at it. Luke 19, 1 through 4. Look at it, look at it. So, so now they're there. You got in your Bibles. So Luke 19, 1 through 4. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing, was passing through. So get this in your head. Jesus is in the city. And so like basically, he's like, like he's in Elk Grove. He's passing through the Western Festival. Okay? He's passing through the Western Festival on his way to Sacramento. Seriously. Jesus is going from Jericho to the capital city of Jerusalem. And you know why he's going there? He's going there because that's where Jesus, we just sang a song, for some of you are kind of new to church thing, God thing, Jesus thing, nothing but the blood, that sounds gross, right? But Jesus was going to the capital city of Jerusalem because he was going there to die. He was going there to die on the cross for your sins 
and mine. And it says this, look at it. Jesus entered Jericho and he was passing through. And a man there by the name of Zacchaeus, he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He, he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was so short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. So Zacchaeus, a couple things, a couple things that for you that are kind of new to the Bible. First, he's not just like a, a tax collector. He's not just a normal IRS agent. No, he's the chief IRS agent. In fact, let me give you a little history lesson for some of you kind of new to this whole Bible thing, okay? So the Roman government at that particular point in history had actually overtaken the Jewish nation. They, they, they ruled over the Jewish people, okay? So what they did was they would take someone who was Jewish and they would appoint that person to be a tax collector, but these people were seen as the utmost of traitors because they were the, they became the scum of the earth. Because these are people who betrayed their own nation. They, they betrayed their own family. They betrayed their own friends. Because the way it worked in that historical time period is you would collect money for the Roman government. But anything you could extort or force or squeeze out of people beyond what the Roman government would take, well, then that was yours. So in essence, your job was extortion. So Zacchaeus, he's not just a tax collector. He's the chief tax. He's the chief extorter. He's a powerful man because he bankrupted people. He's very rich. In fact, he's a multimillionaire of his day. But he got that way by seizing homes and assets and cars and people's 401k retirement accounts and their college funds. And what made it so repulsive is he was one of them. But he's ripping them off. And as a result, he's a very rich man. He's a very powerful man. But he's very little. So when you see Zacchaeus from now on, when you read the story in the Bible, I want you to see Danny DeVito, okay? Okay? Or if, if you don't know who Danny DeVito is, some of you younger ones, Kevin Hart. Okay, Kevin Hart. He, he, he's only five foot two. I don't know if you knew that. Okay? Five foot two. Because before I go any further, I need you, for, particularly for those of you who really entrench in, in the Bible and in church, I need you to see this story fresh again. And so I need you to see Zacchaeus. Do, do you have him in your mind? And, and then here comes Jesus. And, and this little guy really wants to see Jesus. So he does two things that aren't supposed to be done by a man in Jesus' day. Or for that matter, a man in our day. Number one, he runs. Men don't run. I mean, sure, men, some of them will run to get fit. Or they'll run if they stole something. Or they'll run if they're being chased by a dog, right? But the reality is, this guy is a unique guy because he's a businessman. Businessmen don't run. More than likely, he's wearing a, 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 a very ornate robe. It would be comparable in our day and age to a... He's wearing an expensive threaded business suit. And Jesus is coming. And, and he wants to see Jesus. But he's such a wee little man. He can't see him. So he runs ahead and then he runs. After he, he does number two, what men don't do. He climbs a tree. Now, how many of you as a kid, when, if some of you here that are more church-going people, you heard the story. It, it, I'll tell you, it's an awesome story. Because just the thought of Danny DeVito climbing a tree to see Jesus. 
Okay? It's pretty cool. And I'll tell you right now, Zacchaeus does what any respectable, dignified businessman would not do in that day. He runs and he climbs a tree because he's a little guy. And then, here's the question of the day. As Jesus passes, the question is, what's Jesus going to do with Zacchaeus? How will Jesus respond? But before we get to that, i got to have you with me. you got to see Zacchaeus. Do, do you see Zacchaeus up in the tree? Think Western Festival. There's trees all around that Grove Park. And there's a guy up in a tree. And think of the guy. He's short, chubby, balding, older, rich man. And he got that way because he extorted money from his friends and his family members. You just got to see this guy. And then Jesus comes walking by. And look at Luke 19.5. Luke, Luke 19.5. You're following with me in the story? Look at what happens. When Jesus reached the spot, when he reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Hey, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. You, you got to know this. If you went out to the Western Festival today, there's a whole lot of people passing by this tree. But they didn't see. They didn't see him. Maybe they didn't want to see him. And, and the truth is, maybe you don't want to see that person in your neighborhood. Maybe you don't want to see that person that you had a name and a face of from your, co your workplace. Maybe you don't want to see that, that friend or, or supposed friend or that family member. But Jesus, the very guy who tells us to go, he stops and looks. I don't know if you understand what's going on here. If you were watching a movie right now, the music would be building to a crescendo. There would be an ominous tone to it because this is a bold situation. Why? Because no one wanted to see Zacchaeus. He's the crook. When people saw him, they saw someone who betrayed them, hurt them, screwed them. But not Jesus. When, when Jesus sees him, he sees someone he stepped out of heaven to go toward, not run away from and ignore. And so here's the principles from this passage for people like us who might call ourselves Christians or believers in Jesus. you got to stop and see. If you're taking notes, you got to stop and see people. In fact, you got to stop and see all people, not just the religiously good kind of people. The people from Creekside Christian or Harvest Christian or Impact or you, you name the, the, the place or the, the, the style or the flavor. You need to stop and see all people and get personal with those people. That face, that name that you have in your mind. So, so Jesus looks up in the tree and by the way, this is kind of a humorous, funny moment. There's a large crowd around. And he looks up in the tree. And there's Zacchaeus. And here's what he does. He calls Zacchaeus by name. That's very important. 
We don't know how he knew Zacchaeus' name. I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us how he knew. Maybe Zacchaeus was just so notorious, everybody knew Zacchaeus. I don't know. But Jesus sees him, and he calls, Hey, Zacchaeus! The people of LifePoint, I'm going to tell you right now, Jesus always does this. He's always calling people out by name. When I was in the summer before my senior year of high school, Jesus called for me. Hey, Tim! And God changed my heart, and he changed my life, and I stepped out of the tree, and I followed Jesus. Jesus called. He called me by name. Yes, there are billions of people on this earth. I didn't ask you to think of billions. I asked you to think of one person's name with one face in your mind. And Jesus is calling that person. And he wants to use you to go. See, Jesus knows every name. He knows every day of everyone's life. And he, the Bible even tells us he knows the numbers of every hair of people's head. Now, admittedly, that's not hard for God for me, okay? But, but, um, but he does. And so what happens is, what happens here is, Jesus calls this notoriously crooked rich guy who needs rescuing, Zacchaeus. And Jesus is calling him to friendship. And he does it openly. And he does it publicly. And for some of you who sit here today, it might only be one or four or five or ten or fifteen. I don't know. Do you realize Jesus still calls by name? And as you sit here today, some of you, I know the truth about you, even though I don't know you. You have not come out of the tree and followed Jesus. You've not let him into your life. So perhaps God is calling you by name. He's calling you to himself. He did the same for this man. Hey, Zacchaeus! And I don't know if you know this, but Jesus was calling him into friendship. And, and see, this is what was odd about this story. He did it openly and publicly. He says, Zacchaeus, I'm, I'm coming to your house today. He invites himself over to his house. And here's what Jesus is doing. Jesus is telling Zacchaeus, I want to be your friend. Because going to someone's home and having a meal with them in that culture, that's an act of friendship. How many people do you think went to Zacchaeus' house for dinner? I personally think Zacchaeus ate very well. But Zacchaeus ate alone. And Z Jesus does something odd here. Jesus does this in front of an entire crowd. In our day, he would have taken a selfie. Hey, I'm going to this guy's house. We're going to have a meal together. There's no way anyone would have done that in G Jesus' day. With Zacchaeus, you know why? Because it was not a popular thing to be friends with Zacchaeus. If you're friends with Zacchaeus, you certainly don't tell anyone. And Jesus is telling everyone, Zacchaeus, as of this moment, I'm going to your house and we're going to be friends. I don't know if you get this. This is freaking amazing. This is what Jesus does for us. All of us. He sees us. He stops and sees us. Not just the good kind of religious people that go to the churches of this area. No, he sees all of us and he desires to get personal with us. And look at Zacchaeus' response in Luke 19.6. Zacchaeus, in Luke 19.6 it says, So he, Zacchaeus, came down at once 
and he received Jesus gladly. Zacchaeus' response is, yes, Jesus, I'd love to be your friend. Let's go right now to my house. And Zacchaeus is just so glad that Jesus would care about him. I mean, get this, him of all people. And so in that moment, Zacchaeus, he just receives the love, the grace, the mercy of Jesus. That's Zacchaeus' response. But did you notice the response of the people on the shoreline? They're, they're sitting back enjoying the comforts of the meal and the camaraderie and the fellowship and the comfort of their chair. They're waving, smiling to the... And th- did you know, they didn't post on Facebook or Instagram. Yes! Zacchaeus got saved. He's rescued. No. Look at it. Look at it. Look what they, look what they said. Luke 97. Read it with me off the screen, everybody. Read it with me off the screen, everybody. Say it. All the people saw this. Stop! It wasn't just one person getting a hot dog at the Western Festival to saw this. All the people saw this and began to say it, everybody. Mutter. They could get a complaining gripe. Jesus is going to be the guest of a sinner. So what this means is they're talking about Zacchaeus, but not to Zacchaeus. They're talking about Jesus, but not to Jesus. They're gossiping and and, and complaining and griping. And, and, And let me say this, this is common whenever God moves. I've seen it for years in my own life. From those in the Christian yacht club. Oh, it's called a church. Tim, can't hang out with those people. Your pastor. Or, or I'll hear people go, oh, that's Tim. Always championing, always cheerleading people like that to come to the Crossing Church. Well, those are just the people you work with and in their neighborhood and, and people that do the things at your health club and on your golf course and, and, and where you do, do, you know, water skiing or whatever. What, what, what do the people say to Jesus? Oh, he's a, he's a best friend of a sinner. So I've got to ask you a question. I've got to ask you this question. Who in your relational world, that name, that face, who in your relational world, if God saved them and forgave them, would cause you to mutter? You know what I'm talking about, right? The person who abused you? The person who ripped you off? The person who harmed you? I'm talking to you, the person that betrayed you. I'm talking to you, the person who fired you. I'm talking to you, the person who kept lying to you or divorced you. Who, who, who would that be for you? That if God rescued them, you'd be going, really, God? They just get forgiven? They're all scot-free after they did what they did to me? And so they mutter. They They, they mutter. See, I'm going to tell you right now, for those of you here today, if you haven't, if you haven't come out of that tree yet, I'm not talking to you right now, so just, just so you know, but for those of you who came out of that tree and said you're going to follow Jesus, you call yourself a Christian, a believer, a Christ follower, what you need to know is that we are all, in God's sight, guilty. That God would love 
us, that he'd love any of us and forgive any of us, that, my friends, is the miracle. So, so from Zacchaeus, we get so much hope and encouragement. So I'll tell you right now, if you're here today and you're kind of new to the church thing, the God thing, I am so ecstatic that you're here. Because it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus calls out your name. And he welcomes you as a friend. And he will forgive you and transform you. That's what exactly Jesus does for Zacchaeus. That's what Jesus did for me. And that's what Jesus did for some of you who call yourself a Christian. And then look at Luke 19.9. Look at Luke 19.9. It starts building to a crescendo. Jesus said to him, that's Zacchaeus, salvation has come to this home today. And then, and then, we hear the verse that I read at the very beginning of this time with you today. Because this is a story of a man who needs rescuing. It is a story where a human being, someone like us, someone like that face and name that I asked you to place in the forefront of your mind. It says in Luke 19.10, look at it, look at it. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus, my friends, created the first ever rescue society. The rest of the religious world at that time was one gigantic yacht club. Not Jesus. He came to seek and save that which is lost. And that, my friends, at one point was me. And my friends, at one point that was you, if you call yourself a Christian. You needed rescuing. So now it's my turn to go. It's your turn to go. So I got to ask you again, the same thing I ask myself. By the way you're now living where you work, by the way you're now living in your neighborhood, by the way you're now living around your family members or some friends or a place where you recreate or work out, do you have that marina mentality? Have you gotten... Have you gotten into the comfortable confines of the bonding and the camaraderie and the meals and the grouping of the club? I want to tell you a story. The, 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 this, this Eagle Lakes Golf Club right here in El Grove. Guy was on the fourth hole. But back, back before going further, how many of you here know anything about golf? Have ever tried to golf or play golf frequently? Just raise a hand. How many of you kind of know something? Okay, good. Golf is golf is a difficult thing to do. Okay, it shouldn't be because it's just a little ball, sit still. But but it's hard. So so there's this guy. I I love it, but but it's hard. So this guy gets on the fourth hole. He takes out his driver. Now nowadays, you know, it's like th this driver is like they're, they're big. They got these big heads on them. So he takes out this driver and he goes back with his and he swings. And he tops the ball. And that day at Eagle Lakes, it just rolls out about 30 yards onto a mound of dirt. The guy picks up his clubs, walks out, and he, he looks at the mound. Oh, he realizes it's an anthill. He goes, okay, no problem. He takes out a two iron. God can't even hit a two iron. And so he takes out a two iron. He puts it in his hand. He takes back. He swings. He misses the ball entirely. Digs underneath it kills a few thousand ants. 
He says, that's okay, I'll do it, I'll get, it. I'll get this right. He gets the club back in his hand, he swings it through, misses the ball again, digs through and kills a few thousand more ants. He does this four more times, misses the ball every time, six times in total. By the way, greatest ant tragedy in the United States of America's history. And then all of a sudden, in the quietness of the moment, two little ants come crawling out of a hole near the ball. And one ant looks at the other and says, if we don't get on the ball, we're going to die. <laughs> now, some of you are looking at me like, dinner time, you're going to go, <laughs> now I get it. Can I tell you something? Some of you here call yourself Christ followers, Christians, believers in Jesus. You've gotten quite comfortable in the confines of your club. You're used to the meals and the churros and the pandosi. You like the, the drinks the fellowship and the bonding and the camaraderie. All the while, that person I asked you to think about, the people where you work, in your neighborhoods where you live, in your family systems, where you're from, all the while, those people are going to die. You see, Chris, Chris last week, he said the same thing Jesus did. He came to seek and save the lost. Luke 19.10, right? You can't miss it. It's a part of the story. But Chris, Chris used a verse last week as we kicked this series off, John 3.16. Some of you here, you know it well. God so loved the world. That he gave his only son, that whosoever would believe in him would not say the word, would not what? Perish. Perish. But have everlasting life. So, friend, you call yourself a Christ follower, a Jesus lover, you're called to go to rescue those who are perishing. My question to you is, how you doing? 